This episode has been brought to you by Always Discreet. Head to alwaysdiscreet.com.au to learn more about bladder leak tips, management, and incredible bladder leak protection. Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. It is Laurie Forner back in your ears today. I have a great conversation with Candice Lamb once again. Today we are talking about CrossFit once you've had a baby. So if you haven't listened to CrossFit in pregnancy, go back and listen to that episode. Candice is back to talk about, all right, once you've had that baby and you uh, have been participating in CrossFit beforehand, when you come back, what might your first workout look like? What might your first week look like? Maybe that first month, what kind of things do we need to consider within those first three months? How might we modify running or box jumps or do what do we need to do when we think about pull-ups? We talk about skipping. We are coming at it from the point of view of a vaginal delivery, but we also get into modifications and things to think about with regards to cesarean sections. If you haven't listened to the last episode, like I said, go back and listen to it because Candace is a wealth of information She's not only a CrossFit coach, she is also a physiotherapist that is working in the area of pelvic floor rehabilitation, and she's absolutely brilliant. So we have a really fun conversation. Of course, we talk about pelvic floor. We talk about getting back to the barbell, getting back to load and impact. I apologize because I'm still having problems with this mic when it is connected to Zoom. Um, obviously, bringing your attention to it will just make you you know, hear that it's not as clear cut as I would love it to be. But I do have a new mic that is on its way very soon. So hopefully that sound quality will have improved over um, kind of in the next couple months because I do have some great other episodes coming up after this one that um, I think everyone will be excited to listen to. So here is my conversation with Candice. So we talked in the last podcast about different ways to modify during different trimesters for pregnancy. So now they're like, you know, 37, 38, 39, sometimes 40 weeks still coming in. Um, And then they have a baby. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? So you don't see them. In an ideal world, I'd see them before their six week or at this after the six week checkup with their GP before they come back to the gym. But I definitely know that a lot of our members don't wait that long to come yes. back to the gym. Six week is a lifetime. It is. Them. So if before they've actually come back to see you or their doctor or come back to the gym, knowing that they have participated in so much exercise for a period of time, but then being really busy with a baby and maybe some toddlers, is there anything that you encourage them to do within that time or that do you find a lot of women are already doing within that time before they come back to their first class? 
definitely. I find particularly the that population are already pretty active. I find during that time, um, so they're if they're not doing gentle body weight stuff at home, they're at least getting out and walking. Yeah, or I'd say once a day, most of them. And knowing that everybody is different. Um, if we focus, say, on someone having a vaginal delivery, so even if we take kind of cesarean section out of it for now to really keep it simple, and if we say there's nothing significant, maybe a first or second degree tear, um, but, you know, there's no such thing as like textbook textbook vaginal delivery but if someone has a vaginal delivery they come to see you six weeks um, is there any findings that you feel are similar in all of these women who've been doing a lot of high intense exercise during pregnancy I definitely definitely find they recover really fast okay. both physically um, and emotionally I I don't know if that's just the group of women I see or if yeah. it's the type of people who do CrossFit, they're just more that way inclined. I don't know, but I definitely find they are, yeah, they recover so well, most of them. Yeah. So you see them at six weeks, a majority of them, you know, if they've, they've had a vaginal delivery, they're not leaking, they don't really have any prolapse symptoms, there's not a lot of issues going on, and you both decide because they sit there, and like you said, it's sometimes before six weeks, but they're like, when can I go back to the gym? Can I go back? No, no, no. <laughs> what do you say? You're like, yep, we're ready. Yeah, we're good. Um, if I can control a couple of things about what they do, I'm more than okay. happy for them to start when they feel ready. So what do you tell them that very first day? Like if we pick, they've you've screened them, you feel they're ready to go back. What sort of things are you telling them to look out for, especially that very first day and even first week? Yeah, obviously all of the obvious stuff is the high impact thing. So we obviously don't want them running and jumping early days just because we know that pelvic floor healing takes longer than six weeks. And I was going back to, I can't remember who wrote the paper. There's a really cool paper, an MRI of the pelvic floor paper. And they talk about, uh, I think it's at 12 weeks. They're saying that still there's something like 80% of women are still having swelling and signs of tissue um, problems at the insertion points. And so I always try to go back to that in my brain. You know, even though you feel good and everything looks mm. really good, we're not quite ready yet. So I think that's really important for them to understand, really important for their coaches to understand as well. So taking out that high impact. And then the next thing that we need to talk about is their lifting stuff um, because it's not technically high impact, mm. but it's heavy and it, like lots of intra-abdominal pressure with that. So I generally go through a big long list of all of the exercises they may encounter and substitute options for them. Can we do that now? Yeah. Let's all right. Do it. Okay. So if we think again, first day, first week back, you're going to give them some different options. So what would be an option if there is something like running in a workout? I will generally start with the assault bike if they've got access to one. So yep. they're seated, they're supported, and they can still get their heart rate up without yep. them. And it's not the same as like I discovered very quickly an assault bike is not the same as like a another kind of bike that you would see at a gym. I don't know why, yeah. but it's much harder. It's so much harder. There's the arm part, but it's just, yeah. I mean, I think it lasts about 10 seconds on it. I'm not sure why. It doesn't seem to get better. No, you don't, they don't get any easier. <laughs> So they're a lot of their postnatal pregnant ladies and postnatal get really good at the assault bike. 
Yeah. Really good. Yep. All right. What about, um, so running. So if we kind of talk about the impact, skipping, are you getting them mm. to modify skipping when they come back? I will get them to steer clear of it for yep. the first 12 weeks unless things are really great. Um, and I'll generally change them to also the assault bike. <laughs> yeah. Do you mean first 12 weeks back or first 12 weeks after having a baby? Post, postnatally, yeah. Okay. Um, box jumps? Box step up. So we'll start with really low depending on what they're like, low box step-ups, and we can gradually build that up over time, so build up the height of them. They're still, I think, still um, from a cardio point of view, you can still do them quite fast and still get the same stimulus from a workout from them. Yeah, okay. And then the only other impact one that's in my mind right now is um, getting up and down off the bar if we're doing bar work yet. Yes. As in like Like hanging bar. Lifting. Oh, oh, like jumping off the, oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So if you're doing like a set of pull-ups and having to jump down, yep. yeah, I would definitely get them to step on and off a box for that. Okay. So that's good segue into pull-ups and hanging off a bar. So their belly has grown. Everything has stretched um, regardless of, again, we're going to kind of take cesarean section out of it because it's a little bit different. We can always do another one on that. Um, so what will you get them to do again, that kind of first day, first week back regarding hanging? Is it okay? Do you modify? I personally think it's okay. And I think the kind of saving grace for us postnatally is that they're not going to be strong enough to do a lot of the things they want to do initially and so that kind of is a self-limiting factor so technique wise that's going to hold them back and if their technique is not good I would never let them do it in the gym so we may practice just dead hangs from the bar initially and then build that up to some active shoulder work on the bar and really at the same time trying to work on that good solid hollow body position but I generally find yeah that their weakness is the thing that holds them back initially which is good so we can sub that in for ring rows if we want to keep a pulling element sometimes I'll sub it in for like a max hang from the bar while everyone else does their pull-ups or something like that yeah beautiful I like that so those were kind of well we did the impact and then we kind of coming to the hanging what about things like um, barbell work yes um and so this is where people I think people get a little bit unstuck because it's not technically impact um so we Mm. need to be careful with words we give them there's quite a lot of intra-abdominal pressure when we are lifting so they will be back to an empty barbell for a little while most people and I think bracing is the other thing that we probably need to talk about here so that ability to create some midline stability while they're lifting well with the empty barbell though um, are you starting off with uh, like a, one of those skill ones? The tech bars. Yeah. Tech bars. yeah so, okay. um, so there's eight, like eight kilo bars yeah. possibly, um, maybe to a 15, depending again on their training age and how experienced they are and how active they've been through their pregnancy. Um, but again, with lifting, particularly Olympic lifting, there is quite a lot of jumping in it, even though people probably don't yeah. realize. I think it's really um, important to keep an eye on that. So maybe instead of doing things like power cleans and squat cleans, you would change it to muscle cleans where you're not getting a jump under the bar and a heavy like catch yep. crashing on you. Um, and instead of push jerks, you change it to push presses or even strict presses if we need to again so that heavy weight's not bouncing off your shoulders and causing any pressure issues. What about squats and deadlifts? 
Generally for squats, I'll build people back up using a target below their butt. So there's a bit of a support there, I guess, and a bit of a target to aim for. I find that that helps them keep things engaged while they're doing their squats and deadlifts. I'm pretty happy for them to deadlift. Again, it's going to be pretty lightweight to start with, but they're things that they're doing in everyday life anyway. They need Mm. to be able to pick things up from the floor and get up and down off chairs and on and off the toilet. So as long as it's in a controlled environment and we're keeping a really close eye on technique, I'm really happy for them to start back. So what do you, do you add anything specifically to their technique in those early days? Like, are you specifically saying, okay, we're going to do deadlifts. I want you to think of pelvic floor. I want you to think of breathing. What are you teaching them? Yeah. So if I've seen someone in the clinic and we've been through an assessment, I will go through this with them. I will teach them to brace, but I'll teach them how I want them to brace based on what we find. But generally before they're about to pick up the bar, I will teach like a gentle pelvic floor squeeze um, to try and counteract that pressure that's about to be put down through them. And I think it's important because most people brace by (laughs) sucking like big, big breath hold and sucking in really, really hard. But that change in abdominal pressure is potentially going to put quite a lot of pressure down through the pelvic floor. So really important to look at clinically for this, but I will get my ladies to do a gentle pelvic floor squeeze. And then are you cute? Are you getting them to think of breathing at this point or just letting them do anything? A little bit of both depending on how it feels, but I'll generally, I like, and I guess we don't want them lifting heavy enough to have to breath hold anyway in those early days. So as long as they're starting the lift with a really gentle squeeze, I'm generally happy unless I've found something that suggests otherwise on their exam. Yep. So coming back to that bracing technique. So um, we were talking just before I kind of hit record that it's a discussion that's necessary because everybody's doing something different and we're not really sure. Well, I'm not every coach I talk to either doesn't talk about it or coach it or coaches it really differently. And we know what the concept is that you're trying to increase intra-abdominal pressure. So you've got more midline stability. And when you are lifting very heavy weights, you need to do that. You need to have a strong brace, which usually involves a breath hold. And in these early days, you're not coming back to that. Um, But the bracing technique that they used, which was a really good strategy when they needed it, it's, you almost have to like teach them something new because their body's completely different. So are there any specific things you get them to do other than what you just said with the deadlift where you're trying to kind of bring pelvic floor? Are you still getting them to think of creating tension in their tummy or their abdominals or are you just kind of going pelvic floor? Yeah, such a um, conversation that needs to be had more, I think, because we all do something really different and I don't think there is any right answer at the moment. I definitely think about generating tension, but not the way that we're taught through CrossFit. So CrossFit. Like imagine you're about to be punched in the tummy, like brace, like I'm about to hit you in the tummy. I don't love that. um, And I don't definitely don't love it early natally. So I will think about generating tension in other ways. Like in a deadlift, for example, I would think more about generating tensions through the lats and the pelvic floor rather than the abdomen. So thinking about getting tight in other ways that don't involve sucking your belly button into your spine. So what about abdominal work? Because that's often a big thing that people want to work. You know, they allow their body to stretch for nine months, but they are not okay with it being a little bit looser um, for, you know, six weeks feels still like a long time. So they want, you know, their abs to be tight again. So what do you modify or do for ab work or do you modify? 
again, another good debate that I don't know that we have good answers on and what I give them will be largely based off what I find in their exam. So it depends again, but in the gym, uh, I would definitely steer away from sit-ups initially, um, particularly CrossFit sit-ups. Like there's so much force involved in the way that we do sit-ups. I just don't love it for pelvic floor. I like side planks a lot. I really I yeah. use a lot of side planks. And I think that they're a great accessory for this um, front planks. If everything looks okay and they're strong enough. So I'll use lots of more static positions initially. And then I think I will give them direct ab work as long as on exam, I don't feel any bulging. So I'll test like a crunch and a sit up um, with a vaginal exam and see what's happening there. But the cool thing about, CrossFit. I just sound like I'm. I am obsessed, but I sound like a cult leader. But well, the episode is specifically about CrossFit, so it's okay. (laughs) I'm listening to myself and going, "Oh my god, you're one of those people." When we move, we are in certain positions, which means that certain muscles have to be working. So, I feel like we get so much core work for lack of lack of a better word from general movement that we do in day-to-day gym life without Mm. having to target the the abdominals specifically you know like you know even an overhead press we're looking at the position of the rib cage in relation to the pelvis and that is engaging things without engaging them so i feel like we do get a lot of um abdominal work without doing direct ab work yeah and i find for most of my girls that's enough they don't need to do anything extra they're getting so strong doing all of that that they're they're okay Yeah. How do you guide them on intensity when they come back? Yeah, that's really tough. And I really, they really struggle with that. I think it's really hard for people who've been training for a long time and they've been quite good and quite fit and they have to come back and almost feel like they're starting again. I think early days, so same as at the end of pregnancy, using the talk test is a really good way to ease yourself back in. But specifically, they need to be able to say a word or a sentence. Oh, like a breathy, a breathy answer to a question. Yeah. Not, I don't want them laying on the floor, rolling around after a workout in those early days. <laughs> I not, do that in the world. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're not sleeping. If they're breastfeeding, they've got other kids. There's just no yeah. need to be pushing in that time. I don't feel, um, but it's, it takes a lot of, a lot of, conversations over time I think to gauge where they're at and where we want them to be with that but I think it is something that again we don't do very well as CrossFit coaches and we need to do better I don't want an early postnatal mum coming in and you know vomiting outside because she's worked so hard I don't think that that's great and not a good look for the sport yeah do you find it self-limiting in a way as well definitely definitely self-limiting there pretty unfit when they come back which is good because they have to go slow and they have to slow down and think about their technique which is also good for pelvic floor because they're not getting to that fatigue level that we're concerned about one thing that i struggle with when my patients come in and they want to get back is that other than the fact that i don't know who is um, coaching and what their ideas are with regards to kind of modifying and allowing people to come back but you never know what the workout's going to be and even though we can kind of break things up into impact and load and how you might modify this exercise or this activity then when you put it all together <laughs> how do you then help women when they're not going back and just it's not just a lifting day like I would love for you to talk me through that example you gave before we started recording about what your workout was today and kind of how you would help them come back if this was their first day 
So our workout today actually is probably a good example. So it's like five minutes on, five minutes off. Um, at the beginning of every five minutes was a 400 meter run or row. And then you're going into as many rounds as possible of a moderately heavy front squat and burpee box jumps. So idea is fast, hard work with really long rest break afterwards. Um, someone coming back to a day like today, I would have them not worrying about intensity and just moving getting a little bit sweaty, not worrying about their load. So for example, today we had someone who just did front squats to a target with an empty barbell. Um, yep. She ended up dropping that down to air squats, which was good. And I made her go slow enough that she hit a couple of criteria every single squat. So she had to make sure A, B and C happened for that squat to be okay. So she had What's to slow down quite a, B a lot. And C? Um, so for her, it was that her heels had to stay on the floor, yep. her butt had to hit the target and she had to be able to drive her knees out over her toes. So they were her objectives for that movement. And if she couldn't do that, she needed to slow down enough to do that. So I find cues like that a really good way to keep people slow enough to be moving yeah. well. Yeah. Her burpees, then we, um, dropped the number a little bit. So, oh, sorry, her front squats, we dropped the number. So it was supposed to be descending. So, yep, descending rep scheme every round. So it went from 12 to nine to six and they were supposed to get heavier. We kept them the same throughout. So we kept them at six. So that was good. Um, and step in and step out. So instead of the fall down and flop on the floor with a big jump back, it was a controlled step back, lower yep. down, controlled step in and stand. Yeah. Okay. Another good scaling option for burpees is hands to a box. So hands to a box and step in and step out from there or jump in, jump out, depending on how things are. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really good example and a really good workout. Say that's their very first day back. Do you advise them to, because sometimes they'll be like, woohoo, I'm coming back five days a week. Um, <laughs> how do you slow them down with regards to frequency as well? Those first couple weeks back, do you? Um, I do you find they all want I, to come back five days? Yes. Um, if they're desperate to come back mental health wise, yep. different story. But if it's just purely for the exercise, then we will kind of, we have meetings with everyone before they join the gym anyway, and before they come back and we would sit down and prescribe them what we want them to do for the next month or three months. And then we would reassess. So for most of them, I recommend two to three days a week. Yeah. Usually with a space in between and manage that with their schedules and we can build from there. I don't think there's any harm in coming more than that if they're sensible and they can control their intensity level. Yeah, which, which some can. I was going to say, there are some people that get too excited. I am a sloth. I have no problem controlling my intensity level. <laughs> so me coming back five days would be totally fine because I would just yeah. you know, roll just around on the around. floor. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, yeah, other people um, I find may not. Everyone should know this by now. As a physiotherapist, I do not believe in telling women with urinary incontinence just to wear a pad or a liner and keep pushing through. I also don't believe that they have to stop doing the exercise and activities that they love forever in order to manage it. I know how important pelvic floor exercises are, I know how important modifications to risk factors are, and I know how important education is in helping to treat urinary incontinence, but I also know how extremely important promoting physical activity is. 
We have the highest quality evidence demonstrating that physiotherapists can greatly improve or often cure incontinence, but I also know that this management takes time and for some women, while it might improve their leaking by 80%, sometimes they will still have leaking or there will be a subset of women that we can't help enough. This is why I feel incontinence pads and liners still have a place and I'm honored to be asked to partner up with Always Discreet to help break the stigma around incontinence, empower and support women to start conversations about bladder leakage, provide the best information on management and also provide options to decrease embarrassing accidents that they may continue to have. So follow the hashtag WeAlwaysGotYou which is we, W-E-E, join in on the conversation and as professionals continue to educate women about how we can help. So if somebody isn't controlling their intensity or um, their frequency and they haven't been having any issues, do you tell them what should alarm them that maybe they need to pull back a little bit? I, I would sit, sit them down and give them a talk about healing times and rates. I honestly find for most people, that's enough. Once they know the risk that they're putting them, potentially putting themselves at, that that's enough to slow them down. Um, but I also, and also the coaching staff, making sure that they know exactly why you're saying what you're saying. That's really important. Otherwise they are just going to go. Again, every person's different. How do you know when people can start to pick it up a little bit? If I've seen them in the clinic, I will review them again at about 12 weeks unless there's been any issues prior to that. And I'll generally have guidelines almost like by this point, I want you to be able to show me that you can maintain a good squeeze in standing or, you know, whatever it might be that, that we're aiming for, for them. I find that that keeps them pretty accountable to doing their homework. As, it, as opposed to saying, by 12 weeks, I want you to be able to do, you know, um, 50% of the weight that you were doing in your front squat. So you mean by this amount of time, we should see your pelvic floor muscle strength is improved, your resting tone is better. Yeah. Like and I'll use, you know, Taryn's return to exercise assessment form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From a WHTA. Love that. So I will- yeah. Yeah, I'll show them, you know, until you are in the green, I don't want you doing box jumps, double unders, you know, running, whatever it happens to be. And I'll give them that really clear visual guide of where they're at. And I find that pretty useful as well. And particularly when they see, you know, we do all the measurements and we see that maybe they're still in the orange, they go, oh, okay, cool. I'm happy not doing those things because I'm still orange. I'll wait until I'm green. Yeah. So sometimes they really need that visual objective assessment of what is going on rather than you saying you're pretty good you're improving um let's still take it slow which sometimes they're like yeah but I feel really good so I'm just going to push it farther I find that personality type definitely needs that visual check-in of this is where I'm at this is where I want to be let's do the work to get to to that point say they those first three months they're taking it slow they've started picking up the pace they're feeling pretty good they're starting to increase weight it's not a 12-week checkup and then you go yes you just go back into everything 
that I find that's that other tricky time that they've learned to slow things down, but now they feel like they're getting stronger and they're doing really well. And you've maybe have talked about a 12 week point. What happens at that 12 week point? Do you still try to rein them in or do you just let them go? Like, I think it's the six week point and the 12 week point. Cause they're yeah. always told at six weeks, you're good. And then we're like, actually, no, let's wait until 12 weeks. And they're like, okay, am I good now? Yeah, there's just so much that depends. But I, again, I still find that fitness is very self-limiting at this point and strength is still really self-limiting yeah. at this point. And so I'm really, really strict on their movement, what it looks like and, you know, the movement patterns and things in the gym. And I find that that is enough until they can check all those boxes. Um, and as CrossFit coaches, we have criteria that we need to fulfill for each of our movements until they can do all that perfectly at the weight they're at, they're not bumping up again. So I'm just really strict on that with these girls. When do you find, again, I know everyone is different. When do you find someone who's diligent, who's coming three to four times a week, who's doing everything that you've wanted them to do, um, gets back to kind of their pre-fitness level with regarding like weight and intensity? I want to say like eight to 12 months. Yeah. It's good. I want people to know that and to hear that because eight to 12 months feels like a lifetime um, when you're the person having to do that work. But remember at like six and 12 weeks when you feel really good and you're like, yes, but then all of a sudden three months down the road, you're like, but I have been doing everything and I've been feeling really good. Why do I still suck? Um, That again, your body is still healing. You may still be breastfeeding. It, you know, takes, what do they say with regards to weightlifting and kind of novice versus experienced and advanced that people are technically beginners for like three to four years, aren't they? Absolutely. So eight to 12 months is not too bad. Not too bad. It's not too bad at all. And they're a little faster if there's someone who's trained right throughout their pregnancy and come back relatively soon and has paid attention to all the things that we've taught them along the way but yeah I don't think many and it's not even just the fitness it's the lack of sleep and the lack of time and the lack of you know eating proper meals and there's just so many factors that are at play in those early early months postnatally yeah what do you find is kind of the most common pelvic floor issue that say somebody's come at six weeks they look pretty good they're feeling pretty good they start to pick it up at 12 weeks but then they start to because they're picking it up and they're going back to more intense and harder exercise do you find that there's one specific exercise that people start to complain about uh yeah double unders would be the the worst i think (laughs) so any kind of tips on so you have you've modified them they've been getting stronger they're getting back to them. Say they could do like 30 to 50 unbroken, you know, mid to early pregnancy or before, but probably not towards late pregnancy, maybe. Um, probably not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, so they cut, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so they now they're getting back into double unders, but they've started having issues and started leaking. What kind of tips do you give them or how do you modify I- them? I think like technique is probably the first place that I would start and making sure that they're not really landing really heavy. They're jumping properly. They've got good good mechanics through their lower limbs. If all of that has been sorted and, you know, I've checked their pelvic floor and everything's okay there. I really love using vaginal weights 
to yep. progress these ones along. I think I've found the most success from from building the weight up with like I use Aquaflex probably the most, yep. and I find them them really good. And I think again, they're like an objective thing you have to go and get and use. I find people are so much more compliant with that than they are with just general exercises. So most of my ladies will have those now. So you having them use it at the gym? I have, yeah, sometimes not during a workout, but maybe during a warm up, just a portion of the warm up, just so they can feel what's happening. Um, But definitely as homework, if you know, if they can get through 15 double unders, but it's when they tip over that 20 mark that problems are starting to happen. Like let's start working it with some load and see if we can improve the tissue. Yeah. I love that idea. I remember um, having a woman, a lovely, lovely woman. And it was the very first time that I was like, okay, you're struggling with double unders. Um, We need to get you back there, but how do you, you know, how do you load it without overloading it so we were using um different vaginal weights just because again like you said you kind of need to be assessed and fiona and i have done a podcast on it and why some of them are built differently than others and why some are better than others because sometimes that resting support or tone can be different and aquaflex might you know the shape of it might not be suitable for some women so we were using others that had the little feedback ball in it too so that when you jump it kind of bounces it feels really strange um but I remember thinking, maybe try it at home first, because yeah. if you are trying this in the gym and then you feel like it starts to drop and you have fatigued, you're going to have to run to the bathroom. And I don't think there is any all girls gyms here like yours. Is there in Brisbane? I don't think there's any in Australia, no. Well, except for yours. So you have one. But yeah, so I find Aquaflex, Aquaflex really good and yeah. technique work. So actually working on the technical breakdown of the double under and, you know, if there's any way that we can reduce the amount of pressure that's being put through that area. How long is it? Well, so if they've been doing them and they were able to do them before, that probably comes back relatively quickly, doesn't it? Definitely. Really yeah. quickly. Whereas people who've never done it before, who have leaking and issues, who then start to learn it, um, it's probably a little bit trickier to get them to develop that skill. Do you find that there's just some subset of people who just are uncoordinated and may never get it? Yes. Maybe not may never, but um, we'll have to work a little bit harder at it. But it's so frustrating to learn. And I find um, it's... I find it's women who maybe don't have a really athletic background. They just don't have that like jumping mechanic. They can't like absorb that force very well, or maybe they are a little bit heavier and the pressure is just too much. I find that they're the ones that really struggle with leaking the most. Yeah. And look, it's a tricky exercise because other than elite athletes and some of the Olympic level and styles of athletes for women, there's not a lot of other exercises, I guess, that have taken these high level kind of movements and put them into a workout that a lot of the population has access to. So all, a lot of the old research for pelvic floor has been on elite level athletes showing that there's higher pressures or they have greater bladder neck descent. So when women say they don't leak, 
I would say, okay, take a hundred women who say they don't leak and then have them try double unders. I'm like, oh, well then if you're going to subject your body to that type of forces, it changes things. Um, and now there's more and more women who are doing these activities that have greater forces that I feel like, you know, it's like there's an increase in the prevalence, but it's just because we've started increasing the types of activities that we're doing, if that makes sense. I don't think there's enough um, support or help for these type of activities other than to say that you can't do them anymore or that you shouldn't do them. And I feel, you know, you kind of get stuck in the middle and you're like, yeah, but um, I mean, maybe we can learn to do them. And there's people who never want to do them. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I feel like I was just thinking about this today. Like I've been, I think this is my seventh year doing this and I feel like it's changed so much in the last couple of years. Like when I first started, it was, and I'm sure when people who are much more experienced than me first started, it was very much like, you've got this problem. Don't do this exercise. It doesn't work for you. But now there's very much a push for you've got this problem and you want to do this exercise, let's find ways for you to work towards it. And I really, mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. I think just about every exercise that women are doing and having trouble with, we can break down into its smaller skill parts and work towards the full thing. Not to say we'll get there with everyone, but yeah. I just feel like there's so many more options available now that weren't there even just a few years ago when I started. Yeah. Um, because there's not, a lot of data or information on women participating in these activities from like a recreational point, even like a competitive, but not an Olympic competitive um, area. If someone doesn't have any problems, then I think, and if they want to try a pessary, uh, then I don't think there's any reason not to. I think we really need to work out how much women's bodies are changing over time to decide whether or not we should push more for women using it prophylactically. Um, and it depends on hormonal stages too. Like, you know, you could be totally fine and not leak and not have any problems. And then the day before your period, um, you, you know, double unders are, you can usually do a hundred and then all of a sudden you're doing 30 and you feel like you're about to leak and you're like, what? And that's, I know. And that's something like, obviously, with regards to women coming back, like breastfeeding is going to be a big issue. They probably don't have their period back, but there's so many body changes, but then hormones are involved and sleep. And there's so many other things that are going to be confounding how quickly they come back that I don't think they realize sometimes as well. Yeah. Like I that agree. sleep factor is huge. It's so big. Um, and that's, yeah, it's just, so important that women have access to someone to have this conversation with before they get back to the gym so that they're fully aware of this stuff so that they don't just push through and hope that that's you know normal yeah and I think we're quite lucky at Contessa um that we do have those conversations almost on a daily basis because it is all women and that's what we do and they're all well aware of kind of where we stand on everything and how we're planning on transitioning them back but it is something that needs to be done better not just at CrossFit at you know Everywhere. functional fitness places across the board yeah definitely without going through specifics just quickly with cesarean section the issue with returning is more that they've had a major abdominal surgery if they have no pelvic floor problems and do you often get them to wait to six weeks to to check and return post-surgery 
Oh, ideally, yes. Um, yeah. But again, I've had ladies come back sooner than that to the gym. Yeah. Um, very, 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 very modified. But if they feel like they need to be there for their mental health, I yeah. have let them come back. So how different in that first week compared to someone who's had a vaginal delivery and no problems? Would you change the cesarean versus vaginal delivery kind of return? I find they're a lot slower. Um, yeah. Like you said, they've had major abdominal surgery, so they're yeah. a lot slower and we're, I'm a lot more careful about what I give them um, in terms of how much we're kind of transmitting across the torso and you know things like the assault black may not be appropriate early days just because of that cross body kind of movement yeah. so we just need to be a little bit more um we need to think a little bit harder about what they're getting i think yeah what about the hanging yeah i find so i've got a lady at the moment at the gym she's 12 weeks this week and she's only just felt comfortable hanging this week she's tried yeah. every week just to see how she feels and she's a physio yeah. so she's she's pretty good with that stuff but she's only felt this week that she's been comfortable um yeah. with that stretch through there so i don't think again no hard and fast rules i'll let them try as long as i feel like the tissue healing is there do you do banded pull-ups yeah yeah. So do you get them to hang from a band to test it out first or are you just getting them dead hang? Don't. I get them dead hanging yeah. with a box underneath just in yeah. case. But then we definitely build their strength back up with banded pull-ups. Yeah. Now, if somebody loved muscle-ups before and then um, they want to come back, is it? do you find it still kind of – does it take like the 8 to 12 months to get back into things like that? Or if they had that skill beforehand – they relatively, once they kind of hit that target, not sort of clinical target, but of being able to move properly, is there a certain number of kind of pull-ups or something you want them to do before they get back to muscle-ups? Yeah, we have a little bit of a guide that we use as coaches, um, not just for postnatal, but for everyone. So before we want you using keeping pull-ups. We want to be able to see five really good, slow controlled strict pull-ups. Mm -hmm. Once you can do that, we want to be able to see that you've got at least 10 keeping pull-ups in a row. Um, yeah. And once you can pick those two boxes, we're happy for you to start moving on to muscle-ups from there. If you can demonstrate that both those things are happening. So again, strength is a, um, is probably the limiting factor for most people. Mm. And once they built up a little bit, of that midline strength plus the pulling strength. I tend to find once the skill is there, there's some kind of muscle memory that holds mm. onto it. I was gonna say body weight will be another factor as well, like when they're light enough to be strong enough to get up there. Yeah. Which takes a bit. For physios, just for them to get in touch with their gyms around them and make their make themselves and their knowledge available so that we are serving the women um, of our communities as best we can. Sometimes the trainers won't be um, open to it, but that's okay as long as you put your name out there and uh, they know that you're there for help. Um, I think that's all we can do. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to support the podcast and have access to some extra episodes, you can head over to the Pelvic Health Podcast Podbean dot com and click on the little green button become a patron and you can choose to pledge one dollar or two dollars us per month you can cancel at any time so you can even do one dollar have access for the month to all of the extra episodes and then come back at another time